The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. You're listening to a Pawn Further Review, presented by Coors Light on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, Eddie Pascal. Raider Nation, what is going on? Eddie Pascal here back at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us for another episode of Upon Further Review brought to you by the good folks at Coors Light. And yes, we have returned for our, technically speaking, second episode of the offseason. But even though the Raiders are not playing football, unfortunately, even though we now have to watch the postseason, as entertaining as it has been uh, from afar, there is a lot a lot, a lot, a lot going on in the land of silver and black, and we are going to break it all down this afternoon, this evening, this morning, whenever it is that you listen to us. And because we are in off-season mode and because we are wanting to kind of bring back to the top some of the interviews and conversations that we have did this year that we're really proud of, you're getting a best of episode where I was going to get through the news and notes of the week, all the important stuff, and then we are going to take you back to, I don't want to say yesteryear, but earlier this year, or I guess technically 2022, and fire off some of the interviews that we felt really, really good about, some of the ones that, in our humble opinion, were the most entertaining. So just in, in just a little bit, after we, like I said, get through all of our news and notes and pay a few bills along the way, we're going to hit you back to back to back with a handful of, inter- of interviews. We're going to go the champion, WNBA, NBA, all champion, all everything champion, Becky Hammond, we were lucky enough to talk to her after our Aces secured their first, uh, the first W, uh, first championship, I'd say, here in Las Vegas. We're going to play that conversation. We're going to play our, our chat with Amir Abdullah from earlier this year in July, a uh, little training camp action with Amir. And then, of course, our guy, everyone loves him, number 98. Friend of the program, Max Crosby, was on with us a bunch in 2022 and we thank him so immensely for that and we're going to play a few snippets from our time with max of one of the times we sat down with the condor so like i said a little best of episode next week we're not quite sure what we're going to do we will have a show as we as we will do this week news and notes and then we'll figure out what we're going to do for the interview program uh, interview portion i have a feeling that we're going to have an interview lined up one that we are, we're pretty excited about but i don't want to uh don't want to dive too deep into that this week but all the same you know the drill, guys. Every Thursday, the this uh, this show will be hitting the pod feed, whatever pod feed you subscribe to, shameless plug. Make sure you subscribe to the Upon Further Review podcast feed as well as the Raiders Podcast Network so you can get everything that we are doing this offseason. And uh, we're going to have some fun news to share, hopefully next week. Fingers crossed next week in terms of our pod empire that we're building here in the desert. But if not next week, the week after that. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But... On to the news and notes. No transactions this week. I have a feeling that we're going to have some transactions coming up in the next couple weeks just in terms of, you know, guys, reserve future deals, all that kind of stuff. But nothing since the last time we talked. But we do have a handful of headlines that we need to get into before we roll our best of interview segment for the day. And we have to start here. We have three Raiders, count them up, one, two, three, that earned first team all pro honors earlier this week. And gosh, I am fired up. 
I am fired up. Devontae Adams, Daniel Carlson, and Josh Jacobs all on the AP 2022 NFL All-Pro first team per the Associated Press. Devontae, first team All-Pro honors for the third time in his career. Jacob, first team All-Pro honors for the first time in his career, as well as our man, the cash money man, the coldest man in all of Las Vegas, Daniel Carlson, first time he gets the nod, first team All-Pro. And immensely excited for all three of these guys. Incredibly well-deserved for the trio. I mean, Devontae's numbers were obscene this year. We all know what Josh did, putting it in a, an historical context for the silver and black. If we look at what he did across the league this year, the man was just on a mission. Josh, an incredible 2022, incredibly well-deserved. But I just want to give a little bit of shine to our guy, friend of the program, Daniel Carlson, because I admit... I was a little salty when the Pro Bowl rosters were revealed. Gosh, it was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever it was. And, and our guy, Daniel, was not on the Pro Bowl roster. And I was upset. I was miffed. I was not super pleased. And so I'm glad that cooler heads prevailed and Carlson was named to the All-Pro team because, and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole and get myself upset again, when you look at the numbers of what Daniel Carlson did in 2022, he is a Pro Bowler. He is an all-pro kicker. And, and I tweeted it out when, when the uh, all-pro designations came out. I think it's really important for all of us not to become numb to what Daniel does on a week-to-week basis. He's conditioned us to think that what he does week in and week out is normal. It is not. He is an elite kicker, obviously, by, his, by being named to the all-pro team. What he is doing is historically very significant He is balling out at an unreal level, and he is as consistent as consistent comes. He finishes the the season this year, last year technically, 2022, 137 total points, tied for third most in the NFL. He scored 10-plus points in eight games, the most in the league, and tied for the most in a Raiders history, in a single season in Raiders history. He made 34 field goals, which were tied for second most in the league, and he made an NFL record 11 field goals from 50-plus. The man is a machine. And and I think what's important to remember is we think back to 2021 and all the games that Daniel won and all of the incredible, exciting moments that he had. And look, you know, I will stand on my soapbox till the the cows come home saying he should have been an all-pro last year. But we look at what he did this year. And while the wins weren't there, I think it's important to remember that what Daniel's kicks, it's seemingly every one of them this year, a lot of them, came in gotta-have-em moments. And while they might not have been game winners, they were momentum changers, momentum savers in a lot of cases. Because, look, we all know the story of the 2022 Raiders, and there were moments where the offense moved really fluidly up and down the field. And there were candidly moments where that was not the case, and you felt like you had to have three points. You had to get them. Daniel had to come through in the clutch moment just for the Raiders to kind of feel like, okay, we're still in this, to add on to a lead a little bit. Obviously, all of us want to see touchdowns instead of field goals, but all the same. Daniel's kicks might not have been game winners in 2022, but they were game savers in a lot of sense. He came through in 
every single clutch moment that he was asked. And and really, he was one of the consistent, if not the most consistent Raider in 2022. So I am ecstatic over the moon that he's getting his moment in the sun, and it is very, very well-deserved. Uh, speaking of guys that are also enjoying a fantastic moment that they deserve wholeheartedly, our guy Josh Jacobs. Other piece of news this week was nominated for the FedEx Ground Player of the Year, not Player of the Week, not Player of the Month, nominated for the FedEx Ground Player of the Year. Just a quick, I mean... We can do this quickly, rattle off some of Josh's stats. Josh took home the rushing crown, a league high 1,653 yards, the second most in a single season in franchise history. He joined Hall of Famer Marcus Allen as the only two Raiders ever to win the rushing title. He also led the league with 2,053 all-purpose yards and 93 rushing first downs, the most in a single season by any Raiders running back since 1994. That was a long time ago. As we look in the kind of prism of the FedEx ground player of the X, Josh renamed FedEx ground player of the week twice this season, week 12 and week 13. He also won the AFC offensive player of the week following his record-breaking 303-yard performance against the Seahawks. Oh, and what a sweet day it was uh, where he won that game with an 86-yard touchdown run. It went into the league record books as the second longest overtime rushing touchdown and the fourth longest overtime scrimmage touchdown since 1974. So yes, Josh nominated for the FedEx Ground Player of the Year. And just a, a quick shameless plug. Voting is live for that through February 9th, so we still have a few weeks left. If you want to go vote, and you should, head on over to NFL.com slash FedEx or via the Twitter poll on the at NFL handle. The FedEx Air and Ground Players of the Year will be announced at NFL Honors on February 9th, which airs on NBC from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. Go get them, Josh. I would love to add to see him add another award to his uh, his already impressive mantle. But when all is said and done, the 2022 season for Josh Jacobs is going to be one that we all collectively talk about for a very long time. Wouldn't hurt to see a few more uh, awards up on that mantle before all is said and done. But we now transition from Raiders that have won awards, have received incredible accolades this past season, to now looking ahead to the future of 2023 and beyond. And kind of in that spirit, I think really, if, if I'm being honest, some of the biggest news, the earliest, you know, an early win for the Raiders in the offseason of 2023, Patrick Graham has been named a coach at the Senior Bowl. And I know that that's kind of a, uh, you know, it's something that you feel like if, if you're a Raiders fan kind of gets caught, you know, not caught, but maybe slips through the cracks of, of your uh, of your newsiness. Uh, I know that we're in the midst of the playoffs. I know that there's a lot going on in the sports world, but do not sleep on the fact that Patrick Graham is going to be coaching down there at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama in just a few weeks time. And one, it's a great opportunity for Patrick. I think that Jim Nagy and his staff have done a fantastic job of kind of building up this bowl game, of making it a premier location for some of the best players in college football and for coaches now, too. I know that they've tweaked the coaching format a little bit, giving folks an opportunity to kind of show what they can do in an elevated role. And I'm really excited to see what Coach Graham is able to do with that chance. But outside of that, just in a very practical, real world sense, coaching at the Senior Bowl is immensely important, particularly for your Las Vegas Raiders. Let us not forget that the last time that the Raiders did have a coaching presence at the Senior Bowl was a few years back. Obviously, I know it was a different regime. The coaching format, uh, like I said, was different where you brought the full staff down. But when the Raiders came out of that experience in Alabama, 
You fast forward ahead two and a half months to the draft. The Raiders cleaned up from players that they had their hands on down there in that uh, in that game. You're talking Foster Moreau, Hunter Renfro, a friend of the program who's doing big things in Miami now, Alec Ingold, Keelan Doss, who is a fantastic story, Isaiah Johnson, Tavon Coney, I believe, was down there, linebacker out of Notre Dame, who had a few really nice moments in silver and black. My point is this, is that the Raiders were able to take full advantage of their time getting to know these guys. And, you know, we talk to folks, you know, in this building and around the league a lot, and and really the consistent messaging that we get as we record this in mid to late January, for the next couple months, the Raiders, along with every other team in the NFL, are on a fact-finding mission. That is what you're doing. You are trying to build up as much information as you can about this pool of draft prospects. That's what you're doing. So when you get to the draft, whether it's in the first round or the seventh round, or you get into the, the, the ranks of the UDFAs, you want to have as much information at your disposal so you can make an informed decision on who you want to join your team. Because like, let's be honest, right? Let's say for the sake of round numbers, there's 50 can't-miss guys in this draft. Doesn't matter the position, there's 50 guys that you grade out as, you know, these are the stud, two thumbs up, they're going to come in and they're going to contribute. Well, the draft is a lot more than 50 places, right? There's a lot more than 50 selections that are made. So when you're into day two, when you're into day three, as I mentioned, when the draft wraps up and you're trying to make your pitch to your priority undrafted free agents, guys that you want to join your program, Guys that you think, hey, maybe he's a little undersized. Maybe he had, you know, he's coming off of, of an injury that we're not quite sure where he's at. But we think he has the possibility, he has the potential to be a really good fit for what we want to do. You got to have every, inf- every piece of information you have on these guys. And I think in particular when it comes to the UDFAs, a lot of that is relationship-based. And where do you build these relationships? You build them at all-star games. You build them at, at games like the, the Senior Bowl like the East-West Shrine game, which is coming to Las Vegas as well. That's where you build. That's where you gather your information. And so the fact that Patrick Graham is going to be wheels on the ground, he's going to have an opportunity to coach up these guys, to learn them, to see their habits, to see how they practice, to see how they study, to see how they go about their business. Huge, immensely important for not only the 2023 Las Vegas Raiders, but the 2024, 2025, et cetera, et cetera, Raiders. It is huge. It is a great opportunity for Patrick Graham. It is a great opportunity for this organization. And it is going to be really, really fun to see when we come, when we talk like early May, right? When we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders and their, and their draft class, how many of those guys played in the Senior Bowl? And I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I have a feeling we're going to see a, a name or two that was down in Mobile that will ultimately end up in silver and black in just a few months' time. But lots to be excited about, a lot going on. Like I said, we have a ton going on, not only in this building, but in Las Vegas. The NFL does not sleep very much like this city, so we will have a ton to talk about, a ton to discuss over the next couple weeks. But for today, like I said, as we kind of ease our way out of the regular season and really get you know get prepared to ramp this thing up and do it again for real in just a couple weeks time we have three fantastic interviews that we would love for you guys to listen to again that we would love for you to revisit Uh, and that is becky hammond that is amir abdullah and that is our friend max crosby so sit back relax and enjoy and really if you guys have any other interviews that we've done over the past let's call it 
10, 11, 12 months that you'd like us to bring back to the forefront, holler at us. You guys got me on the Twitter, at Eddie Pascal. Very original, I know. But if there's anything that you want to see from us, if there's anything you want to hear from us, if there's anything you want us to dig out of the archives and bring back to the light, you holler at us, especially for the next couple of weeks. We're going to have a lot of flexibility in how we build out these shows. And I would love, I would love, I would love if you all had kind of a, uh, if you were producers on this little journey with us as well. So like I said, anything you guys want, we are here to serve. Holler at us, let us know what you're looking for, and we will do our best to oblige. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy our trio of best of interviews. And we are very excited, a special treat this week on Upon Further View. We're joined by the head coach of the WNBA champions, the Las Vegas Aces, our friends next door, Becky Hammond. Coach, congratulations. We were talking about before we uh, before we started rolling here. How do you even try to explain what the past four or five days have been like for you? <laughs> I haven't attempted to try to explain it. It's pretty uh, unexplainable and um, hard to articulate, but it's been a whirlwind. Um, so much has gone, so much has happened. I mean, for me, the last, you know, um, since December, when I took this job, it's just been, um, go, 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 go. And so it's weird to like, not have film to look at right now or, um, you know, not a meeting or something I have to be doing. So sometimes I'm like, you know, when well, I, what am I going to do? It is, I, I, work is done for a little bit. Um, but I'm going to certainly get away, enjoy this. Um, get some downtime. I haven't had a vacation since about 2019. So, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it and, uh, always happy to go out on the season on a win. So that always feels good. Yeah. Certainly a well-deserved vacation at this point, coach. And I'm curious after one wins a championship, what does your cell phone look like when you get back to the locker room? Oh man, I had, I mean, all good things, right. Yeah. But then I lost my phone for like 18 hours and I was like, oh. I had like 100 text messages I hadn't even responded to. <laughs> I eventually got to all of them. It took me about two days. Um, but yeah, it, it, it continually just keeps blowing up. Um, and most, you know, a lot of times you, you move into the head coaching spot, like your phone just never stops. There's always something. So at least this time, this something was, was really good. Yeah, 100%. And, and like you said, I can't believe, first of all, I can't believe you lost the phone for 18 hours and, and you found it though. It was recovered. Yeah. So, uh, my wife had put it in her purse, I think getting off the plane and then forgot about it. I mean, I had everybody from almost the Las Vegas police department out looking for that phone. I'm like, it can only be on the bus on the plane. And that's it. That's the only places I've been. And, um, I went to the AT&T store and had them track the phone and it tracked back to my rental. I was like, okay, so it's somewhere. <laughs> uh, and I found it in her purse. Oh. A tale, a tale as old as time, right? A tale as old as time. Or because I'm like, look, dying because I have so many people's phone numbers in there that I would never want, you know, anybody to get a hold of. And so uh, that was stressful. Hey, but you, you got through it though. With the phone has been recovered. All the celebratory text messages were able to be sent out. So it's it's a it's a W across the board. But but coach, I'm curious. Going back to to the game itself last weekend, what was the moment where you let yourself think like? Oh, okay. We're we're actually going to do this, or was it at triple zeros when you're like, okay, now it's officially official? No, you never. You're never comfortable as a as a head coach. You're just never comfortable until the buzzer goes off. Um, once the buzzer did go off, I mean, it's um, obviously a flood of emotions. It's it's really hard to articulate those moments. Um, it's exhilaration, exhaustion, 
relief, happiness. Like it, it, it's like every range um, that the, the human emotion could afford. And uh, I mean, for me, um, I was just so thrilled for, for our team. Um, the ladies worked really hard and it was just a really special season. And it was only appropriate that it, it ended in a championship. I think anything less would have just felt awful. Um, and you don't like that feeling and having to sit with that for the next six, seven months, that's for sure. You know, you, you talked about kind of just the whirlwind of a past, you know, call it eight, nine months that has been for you. I mean, have you had, had a chance to really, you know, sit down and think like, man, it has been, we've had the highs, we've had the lows, obviously we end in the ultimate high winning a championship, but have you had, had enough time to really like process what this past year, this past season has been like for not only you, but, but for the team? Uh, no, not yet. Um, I hope I get, you know, I got to find some, some, some quiet space. Um, where I can be turned off, you know, and just try to find um, a way to come down. Um, you know, professional sports is interesting because it's almost it's almost like a drug. Um, the highs and the lows and um, just the grind of all of it. You know, it's just like you go from working 120 miles an hour to like just a dead stop. And so, um, whether that was as a player or my time with the Spurs or, you know, here with the aces, it's like when the end of the season hits, it's such a jolt to the system because it's almost like you don't know how to not go, you know? Um, and so this next month and a half, two months, I, you know, I want to go fishing. I want to go, um, go back to South Dakota, see some family. Um, I've never had this kind of like break, um, when I finished playing in 2014, two days later, I was in the gym with the Spurs. Um, so I'm really looking forward to just connecting with, with family and friends on a, on a different level um, and just completely unplugging for a good month. You know, it's so funny you bring that up, you know, obviously for, for me on a much smaller level, like when, but you, you said it in it perfectly, like when the season ends, it ends, it, it there's no kind of like gradual kind of ease into it. And I remember my mother-in-law was talking to me this often and she goes, is it weird for you when you, when you have Sundays back at the end of the year? I'm like, it is like, it, it takes you a couple of weeks and it takes you a month to be like, oh, okay. Like, I guess I could go for a hike today, or I guess I should go do something, but it like, you're hundred percent right where it, it takes you a bit of time to kind of adjust to, to life as a, as, a, as a civilian, for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, for like the, my normal isn't normal, yeah. but it's normal. And, uh, I, you know, you go from like not sleeping at all to like, I don't sleep in general very much anyways, but you know, um, after that game three loss, I watched tape till three, I was up at six and you're just like a, you're, you're like a caged animal. Like you can't wait to get things right, get things fixed, make these adjustments. Um, and then you go from those kind of emotions and those kinds of nights to just like, you know, I had a friend over the other day and I was like, well, what are we going to do now? Like we're just staring at each other. Uh, I don't know, uh, what to do with myself. So, um, I do know, uh, I got some things I got to wrap up here. Um, but then I, I got to find some water in a beach or something. I got a, a water in a boat, something I got I, I out in, uh, that's my happy place out on the water or in the water, uh, scuba diving or whatever. 
I'm with you, Coach. I mean, especially right now, you know, things are kind of cooling down. But I'm with you. I'm, sitting on a beach with a beer sounds not a, not a lot better, especially after a championship run like like you all just had. But you know, going back to kind of the culmination, the the exclamation point of that season, if you will, the parade the other day. I, I mean, what was it like to see the city of Las Vegas, the community here, uh, you know, the Raiders organization, the Las Vegas Aces organization, really turn out and really celebrate such a big moment? And obviously, not only for the Aces, but for this community in general. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, it's my first year here. I know we were selling out games, you know, the last few games of the season. Um, and I knew there was an excitement, but the parade, you know, those weren't just like tourists passing by, like, Oh, what's going on? These were aces. These were Las Vegas natives that came out, um, to, to support us. And I saw every walk of life. And that is just something that makes me so happy. Um, that we're putting a product out there that people can be proud of that people want to, you know, time is money and they're willing to spend their time and their money with us celebrating us. And, uh, we're, we just look forward to continuing to put a a great product on the floor and something that Las Vegas can be proud of. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this is a basketball town and in, you know, we're the professional team here. So uh, I thought it was exceptional. I had no idea what to expect and I was blown away. Yeah, I think it was it was really cool to see to see the reaction. And, you know, I'm like a lot of folks here, like I'm relatively new to Las Vegas. I'm a a Northern California guy. I moved out here when the team moved out here. And it's been really, really cool for me to see how much the city rallies around its sports teams. But with but with the aces in general, too, just to see the excitement, the genuine kind of grassroots uh, excitement for this team. And then obviously, I think winning championships helps that in in a big way, too. But like I said, it's been it's been really fun for me to watch that and to see that, because that's something that I don't I don't think you see uh, in, in a lot of markets like you do here in Las Vegas. But, you know, coach, going back to looking at when you started your career as a player to where the WNBA is now, like I imagine it's been it's got to be so rewarding for you to see just the growth of the league in, on really on an international level. Uh, it, it continues to have a similar projection as the NBA, really. Uh, the players just get bigger, faster, more skilled. Um, and, you know, coming in, I had to go back and obviously watch a, a lot of tape. And I, I was just so impressed with the overall skill level. Um, and I was like, wow, like these ladies can really, really go. They are great basketball players and you can throw anything else out the window. They are great basketball players. They're doing stuff that it looks easy. And I think that's one thing that uh, I, I so appreciate about the guys from the NBA coming out and, and supporting is that they have an appreciation for how hard it is to, you know, be going full speed and pull up on a diamond and, and, you know, put it up softly. Um, that takes a lot of skill, a lot of repetition, um, and the fact that I'm, I'm getting guys, coaches from the NBA guys from the NBA hitting me up like, yo, I love to watch your team play. Um, and, and the product in the W is as high a quality as I've ever seen it. Um, just really high quality, high IQ, and really honestly, a very tough league to win in. Um, and I, and I liken it to imagine if you condensed and just had 12 NFL teams, how hard it would be if you took all the talent from those other teams. How hard is it to win? Um, Not only that, you're playing teams repeatedly, so you really learn them. So you really have to execute and lock into every every game. Um, And similar to the uh, the NFL, you know, every game counts. 
every game really matters. It's not like you have 82 in the NBA. So it's a, it's a little bit different element, but a really fun one to, to coach and be a part of. Yeah, I imagine just kind of the, the mental, like the mental battle of a season, not only of a game, but just the mental, like you said, you know the opponent so well, you know what's coming down the pipeline. I imagine that adds a really unique element of, of coaching and game planning and everything that goes into, you know, hopefully winning when you when you hit the uh, hit the hardwood there. But I got to ask you about, about Mark Davis and just his impact on, on not only you, but the organization and just kind of the commitment that he's shown to women's sports in general. I imagine being able to share the moment of the parade and really the, the season as a whole must have been uh, really rewarding for you. Uh, I mean, Mark, obviously, is a big reason why, why I came. You know, my, my initial conversations were with Nikki and Mark, uh, Nikki Fargus, who's our president, um, and Mark Davis. And I was just so impressed with, with what they were building. Um, they had a vision and they had a plan. And there was security behind that. And I think, you know, in a world, uh, the, in, you know, in the world of professional sports, security is few and far between. And to have the backing of, of your owner, of your president, and, and that kind of support, it makes you feel good about stepping into a new situation. Obviously, uh, change is never easy for anyone, but I felt really good about coming here um, because of the passion, really, that Mark Davis has for, for women's basketball and women's sports. Um, you know, I came to a Raiders game and it was just really like a lot of a lot of teams talk about, you know, family culture and stuff. But uh, Mark Davis believes it to his core and it's something that he invests in. I mean, you can just see it with all the the ways he's trying to loop alumni back in, whether it's from the Raiders or the Aces, the Stars, whoever. He's looping everybody back in. And I think um, in order to build a really great future, you need to understand the past, the history, the roots of the organization. And he's somebody who, like I said, he, at the end of the day, he really walks the walk. Before we get into all the excitement of camp and how everything's going, I got to ask you a question, right? So you find the end zone for the first time on Thursday night. Congratulations, by the way. But what I want to know the celebration. And you know I was going to go here, right? Yep. My question to you, sir, is, one, is that something that you knew going into the game that was going to be the celly? And two, do you have to practice something like that knowing <laughs> you're going to act? Because, dude, it was flawless, right? Like the execution, you saw on Twitter, 10 out of 10 execution. Like sure. how to just talk me through the process of, hey, cross the goal line and what happens? You know what? I was back and forth. Because I was talking to Jayon Brown before the game. He's become, like, one of my best friends on the team. And I was like, bro, I think I'm going to go with uh, the Eddie Tekken, you know, finisher kick. And he was like, I don't remember Tekken. I was like, you don't know what Capoeira is? It's like a Brazilian fighting style. I don't know if, if anyone's ever played Tekken growing up. I remember Tekken. Sick. Dude, Eddie Te sick. Tekken was, like, the game where my dad got it for me, and my mom was like, you're not playing this. Sega Dreamcast, mm -hmm. One of the most slept-on consoles ever, Sega, Sega Dreamcast. But anyways, I was like, if I get the first touchdown, I got to do it. It's the first touchdown of the season. Got to kick it off right, literally. So when I, when I got in, I saw the, uh, the defense, they didn't have an edge set, and I knew we had a toss call. I was like, it's about to be a walk-in. So I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do. And I was like, man, I got to go hard. Got to go hard. So I'm glad the execution came out well. I, I've been doing like uh, – karate, taekwondo for periodically throughout my life. So I'm always throwing kicks randomly if I'm in the gym, just working on my core. It's really good for your hips, man. It's really good for your hips, really good for your core. If you guys are looking for something to change it up, if you're tired of planks and crunches, man, go throw some front kicks. Guarantee you to work your whole, you know, chain. Is that the first time you've thrown a karate kick celly, though, in a game? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, so you just kind of just rolled in there. Like, you didn't warm up with uh, the... Nah. I, I mean, it's... 
like the more and more, it's like anything you do, man. Sure. It's like brushing your teeth. Like if you do it enough, your body kind of remembers it. And I got, a, I got a couple more things in my back. Okay, you know? I, I won't make you spill any secrets. No, no, no. I won't make you spill. Can't any give secrets. up the sauce. I, I, the, the, I think the best part for me though is seeing the reception from the guys. Mm-hmm. Like the guys on the sideline are like. What? I got to te- teach the O-line. Yep. But th- that's my next thing. I was like, I know they can't necessarily get the height, maybe. Sure, sure. The hip, you know, the hip uh, range of motion. But they can do something. We can figure out some type of – because I want to celebrate with my team. Because 100%. obviously a touchdown is a lot more goes into it than one person. But you can't sleep on the athleticism of the big boys either, though. Like some yeah. of those dudes, man. I know. Like, they can do, they can do some crazy stuff with you those big what? bodies. Like I definitely – let me think who probably could pull off a roundhouse in that O-line room. I'm going to go Lester Cotton. Okay. I'm going to go with Lester. So we've, we've heard a lot about Lester over the yeah. past couple of weeks, and for good reason, too. Yeah. But this guy, I think one thing that has really stood out to me is the guys that know a lot more than I do have all said, like, yo, this dude is a freak no, athlete. No, seriously. Yeah, like he's, he's super explosive and, like, short area quickness, which makes for a good guard. Mm-hmm. You know, you need a guy who can get off the ball and stop impact on uh, off off the jump, and he's a guy who he proves that every single day. And I think he probably got a little bounce to him. You know, and he's, he's another Alabama guy. We're both from Alabama, so I got to tip my hat to him. I'm going to say Lester Cotton. All right, fair enough. Lester Cotton, we invite you into the pod studio whenever you want sure. to execute some roundhouse kicks, as long as Coach <laughs> doesn't get mad at me. Right, as right. Long as, like, big disclaimer, as long as Coach is cool Seriously. with it, Lester, you come on in and you right. can do some roundhouse kicks. Practice at your own discretion. Yes, 100%. Oh. You know, in the big, you know, the big bold letters. You got to prove none to me, yeah. bro. You got to prove none to me. <laughs> I'm curious with you, man. Like, And it, this might be kind of like a, like a big question and a question asked maybe when all is said and done, but... You found a way to stick in this league and be productive in this league for a long time when we all know the shelf life of running backs kind of on average. Like, sure. what, you know, I don't want to say the secret to your success, but when you have a chance now to reflect back on kind of these first few chapters of, of your career in the, in the NFL, like, what has been the one constant that you think has been made, you know, helped you be available and consistent and productive on a regular basis? Um, humbling yourself for one. You know, um, the ups are bound to go away and the downs will, are bound to come. And within within those uh, you know different highs and lows of the roller coaster, you just gotta humble yourself and say no job is you know too big for you you know so and a lot of my transition in my career I played a lot of special teams which really kept me around and you know making plays there just proved every single day that I was still the guy that was drafted back in 2015, and uh, the next thing I would say is just listening more than you speak. You know, I think a lot of guys come from situations, uh, specifically straight out of college, where they were that guy who people look to them to speak and to lead a lot more. And when you get to the NFL, uh, you're not going to learn much if you're talking a lot. You know, you're probably going to absorb a lot more if you're listening from guys who've done it before, guys like Brandon Bowden here who's been helping out everybody with the system, um, guys like Dalvin Cook that I played with before, guys like Theo Reddick who, who I really tip my hat to, um, who really helped me cultivate my game to what it is today as, you know, a, a threat out the backfield and things like that. So I would definitely say just listening more than I spoke really has allowed me to have this durability, you know, in the league. You know, Coach Coach was talking the other day, uh, he talked about it a couple times, about the importance of backs just in general going out and getting hit in a game, right? He's like, it's one of the few things that you can't mm-hmm. simulate in a practice, in a training camp, even in kind of a joint practice scenario. Like, backs need to get hit. Right. Like, from your point of view, how valuable is it to just take a few lumps on Thursday night? It, it is. It is. It's very valuable just because you kind of get those cobwebs off first and foremost. And then I know a lot of running backs kind of have, like, an anxiety because it's a lot more to the running back position that meets the eye from pass, you know, pro to running the ball between the tackles to running the ball out in space. It's two different, you know, 
games, really, in between the tackles and out in space. So once you hit the ground and you're like, all right, this ain't as bad as I thought it was going to be, or all right, everything is kind of shaking off, you can kind of tap into that zone and, you know, and kind of black out in a sense. How'd that first one feel on, on Thursday night when you got, when you got you know hit what? for the first time? I didn't really get hit too hard on Thursday. Flex. My, yeah, my <laughs> <laughs> humble flex. But um, it, was, it, it was good to kind of be out there and be like, all right, man, like the speed of the game, in my opinion, actually slows down in the game than it does in practice. I think that's just the tempo we kind of push as a team. But um, it, it felt good to kind of be in that flow where you're like you're comfortable breathing you know, in the game. You're comfortable seeing everything in the game. You're comfortable hearing all the calls in the game. And that, that really, for me, doesn't really sit in until about two to three hits into the game, honestly. Hmm. Yeah. And we, we were talking about, before we started rolling, about you spending the offseason here in Vegas and having a chance to kind of acclimate to this new team. And, and I'm curious, from, from a dude who's been in the league for a minute, from a guy who's, who's found success at, at multiple spots, like what's the hardest part about joining a new group going into camp? <laughs> um, honestly, just making sure that you're a trustworthy person. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you, every system is completely different. Um, what's going to gain one coach's trust compared to the next coach is completely different. You know, every ball uh, club you play for. So just getting acclimated, understanding what's expected out of you every single day, I think it's the hardest thing just because um, – it's, this is a completely different system than I've ever played in. You know, a completely different coaching staff than I've ever played with, and I, I, I love it. You know, I really love it here. Um, but I, I would say that's probably the most difficult thing is, like, trying to establish the expectations on the day-to-day when you're brand new and some guys may have been there for a while. They kind of have a familiarity uh, with certain coaches or whatnot. I imagine it's, it's probably, you know, the X's and O's stuff is probably always going to be, you know, there's, there's really a learning is, yeah. curve. Yeah. yeah, but, like, I imagine there's a big part of it that's just the personal human side mm-hmm. of it is, like, hey, like, to your point, like, I can talk to this coach a little bit different than I talked right. to the previous it, coach. And there's, it's probably a big, like, learning curve it's in big. that sense. It's yeah. big, man. It's like, it's, it sounds crazy, but, like, in a sense, you got to, like, know who you're dealing mm-hmm. with. You got to know who you're dealing with. And uh, certain things are okay with certain coaches, certain things aren't. And um, just kind of listening more than you speak, like I said, helps you kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit. And you're like, all right, it's cool for me to jump in this pool. It's a little hot over here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not jump in there and let that cool off a little bit. And I think that can just help you just stay in the good graces of the people that you need to stay in the good graces of. And I'm, I'm sure Amir, is a much, Amir in 2022 is a lot better at doing that than Amir in 2015. Man, for sure, for sure. Um you know, I mean, I started off in uh, in Detroit, and I had turnover the first year. Mm-hmm. My officer coordinator was was fired, so we bring in new guys who I wasn't as familiar with. And uh, initially, I, I wanted to be the vocal leader, vocal leader, but I ain't proved anything yet. So some people took that as offense, and you kind of just gotta, you know, feel your way through. And I think genius is really like persistence in disguise. You know, the genius isn't the guy who gets it right the first time. It's the guy that keeps going, makes a mistake, fails, fails, fails. And then when he gets it, everyone's like, he's a genius. But they don't see all the work that went into it that, you know, some people will call failures. And I, I definitely um, look at my career the same way. I mean, because we talk about, you know, for every, you know, genius, whether it's a genius athlete, a genius inventor, whatever it is, you know, for the one, you know, guy or gal that made it, there's 900,000 that just said, man, man I can't do it. Can't I can't do it. I, just, just I like, can't. I've taken too many L's. I can't yeah. get up and do it. Yeah. Take another one. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, for any like young listeners that's listening right now, I would say that's the greatest joy of football is there's just the the attributes and the the um what's the word I'm looking for the discipline that's that's taught for you to have some kind of stick to itness you know like if something's not going well for you that doesn't mean that door is closing you know that that just means like 
maybe you need to try a different route or maybe you need to just be better, you know? And, like, that's all life is. It's an endless attempt of attempts. Yeah. It's an endless, you know, cycle of attempts. And um, if you just kind of keep that mindset – I think anything you're doing, you you can you're bound to be successful. It, it's so funny you bring that up too, because everyone assumes like you know, oh, the, you work in the NFL, you're an NFL player, you know, you haven't you haven't taken these out, bro. Everyone sitting bro. in this room has taken dozens <laughs> of myself included, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. dozens, like, like countless yeah, L's, and it's yeah, just like sure. is. I think it really is interesting, and it says a lot about the people in the collective, where it's mm-hmm. like, yo, like there were dozens, hundreds of chances to say, you know what, I'm good. Yeah, it's in for me. But the ones who stick around are the ones that say, okay, yeah. I learned from that, on to the next one. Of course. I mean, life is relative, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, obviously my losses are going to be completely different than the next person's loss. But when you kind of just break things down to like an objective level, when you're just looking at it for what it is, everyone, like you said, is experiencing losses. And once you get over that fact and you just kind of deal with it, it's easier to move with clarity in your own life because it's like, all right, I'm going through this, but I'm sure someone else is going through it. What are they doing right now? Are they responding with a positive attitude or are they responding with a negative attitude? No matter what, I got to make sure I'm responding in a positive attitude from like a football standpoint because if I don't, the next guy's getting better. You know, not, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm staying kind of idled. You know, and, and speaking of that clarity, you and I were talking that you do a lot of solo traveling, yeah. right? And I imagine that being in insert location here, <laughs> away from friends, family, yeah. whatever it is, gives you a chance to kind of have some of that non-football clarity right. too. Yeah, I mean – a lot of the things that we believe in, you know, a lot of things that we kind of stand on, at the end of the day, a lot of them are, are man-made, you know, principles. You know, whether that's I'm good at this or I'm bad at this or I'm smart in this area, I'm not smart in that area. Kind of, for me, I love to take one solo trip at least a year. This past year I went to Iceland, you know, by myself in the middle of the winter, which was crazy. That's a whole nother podcast in itself. But um, for me, I really just want to remove a lot of labels or a lot of variables that were external factors that were kind of shaping shaping my reality you know where like if I would go outside and if it was snowing typically if I'm in the city I'm like it's a crappy day right but when I'm in Iceland it's snowing and I can see how the the structure of the the landscape is changing and how by midday it may be sunny again that's beautiful it's changed it's like a metaphor of life where sometimes snow may come down and you just kind of weather that storm and the sun comes back out and it kind of just helps you redefine like a lot of different things that maybe you were stubborn and sticking holding on to maybe cuz from parents or peers in your past and i definitely encourage anyone to do a solo trip to really rely on yourself What's the next, uh, what's, I guess, what's on the big wish list of solo travel locations? New I Zealand. imagine New Zealand. New Zealand, for sure. Um, New Zealand, uh, the Swiss Alps. Okay. Think about the Swiss Alps. Uh, uh, Thailand has kind of become too uh Everyone's too going tourist. to Thailand. Yeah, it's it's Everyone's become too to touristy now. Everyone's, everyone wants to go to Bali and just get their photos. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I don't know about Thailand anymore, but maybe, definitely Africa. Okay. Definitely Africa. It's always a good day when our guy 98 is in the house, Max Crosby and Max. The important stuff first, baby's good, fiance's good, life is good for number 98 off the field. Yes, it's great. Um, Baby's healthy, Um, fiance's happy, got family coming to town, you know, for Thanksgiving, so thankful for a lot of things. Good, good, good. Uh, I was thinking back to Sunday, and I was trying to think, I was racking my brain to see if you'd ever had more impactful back-to-back plays, because we go force fumble and then block field goal literally back-to-back. Like, have you had a back-to-back? I know you've had some crazy days at the office, but 
I was just trying to think of in that quick rapid fire. No, I don't. Like, that was the first time in my life I've, like, got my, like, as a defender, like, you don't get to touch the football often. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But being able to affect the ball, like, force a fumble, then get a hand on a field goal back-to-back, I've never done that. But it was was really cool. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of different, you know, games I could think of that were impactful. But, like, just, I feel like the moments, you know, and when we needed it, like, that was some Mm -hmm. of, like, the biggest, um, you know, timely plays I've had. And it's like just in terms of like filling up the statute, like too, we talked about the multiple sacks, just being active, being around the ball, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, the big plays with the fumble, the forced fumble, the block field goal, like it almost feels like, and I know that you're you're not a Warriors guy, but you know, like when Clay Thompson or Steph Curry are just like lock in <laughs> yeah. and they just like black out and you know, like whatever they touch is going to turn to gold. Like it felt like similar to that on Sunday for you a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, every time I go on the field, like my preparation leading up to the game, like. I make sure I don't leave any stone unturned. So when it comes to my pass rush moves, when it comes to the little details in the run game, running to the ball, like all the smallest details during the week and doing the extra conditioning and doing my grip work, like every little thing is giving me the best chance I possibly have going into a game. So like my confidence level going into any game is it's at an all time high right now because it's been, you know, two years straight of my routine that I've been doing and it just gets stronger and stronger so yeah once once you get into the game you know it's not going to be perfect and I know like I'm going to get attention so you know early on especially like the Denver game like they were throwing the house at me run and pass game and um you know the main thing for me is just not getting discouraged you know you never know when that play is going to come to you um you never know when it's you know, your time, but you just have to keep trusting your work. And, uh, you know, right at the end of the second half, like, boom, I got the forced fumble and I got the field goal. Then going into halftime, I'm like, yeah, I, I was telling everyone, I'm like, I'm about to have the best best half of my career. Like, I, 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 you could ask Duran all that. I'm like, I'm about to go off. And I told DP, I was telling <laughs> all, I'm like, I'm about to go off. And I, I think it was the first series, I got a sack, and then and I'm getting another one. So, yeah, it's just, you know, the confidence, you know, comes from the preparation. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Kobe guy, so... I watch his videos all the time and just listen to the mentality um, of the things he talks about. And my dad, you know, it's crazy because he sent me a Kobe video like right before the game too, and it was something similar. You know, just talking about you know motivational type stuff. But yeah, that's how I just try to look at it. Like I know I'm when you you keep doing it every single day, like preparation wise, when you do it all year round. Like I already know, but I'm literally thinking, all year round. Like, in your yeah, like it's. N- <clears throat> I don't just show up, you know, in OTAs. Like, I'm, it's a year round for me, so I'm taking strides. And, you know, I just look at it like this Kobe said it, like everyone's, you know, kind of doing it at their pace. But when you go and do the extra every single day, you're just slowly separating yourself from everybody else. And that's kind of how I look at it. Is it hard? You know, you talk about like in that Denver game, like you have that realization, like in the moment, like, yo, they're throwing everything at me. Mm-hmm. And just as like as a human being, like when you're <laughs> seeing all that, when you're not maybe having the type of success early on that, that you want or expect to have going into a game, like, is it hard to kind of stay present in that and be like, yo, like, Let's take a second. Let's realize what this team is trying to do to eliminate me and then make adjustments. Like, is it is it hard to kind of stay in that, like, positive next step? This is how we're going to go do it, like, do it mindset? Definitely. You know, I feel like early, early in my career, like, that was something I really battled with because, you know, like, you'll have some games, especially, you know, like, as a young guy, like, for instance, like Cincinnati game, I had like four sacks as a rookie. And then mm-hmm. the next couple of games, I didn't have any sacks. And then I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like it turns into panic mode. And then you're yeah. trying to overplay, you know, trying to do too much. 
Um, but that's, you know, that's just the opposite of what you have to do. Like, you just have to trust your work, trust your preparation, trust your technique. And, um, you know, it's like you said, like the Denver, like you're, I'm playing Denver and like, you know, the first 15 plays are scripted. So they're going to try to do everything they can to try to mess with me. And I know that like every team's going to do that. So for me, it's like, OK, I know I got to come out hot and come out ready to go because no matter what it doesn't matter doesn't matter if I make a play or not like if they throw two tight ends at me like I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure they don't block me you know what I mean just to find a way so as the game goes on you know they can only bring that much attention for a certain amount of time but after a while like you have to start passing the ball you have to start doing things you're like okay we can't just play the whole game trying to stop one guy you know coaches are you know they trust their guys and mm -hmm. for me it's like okay good I know I'm not going to get a ton of one-on-ones but at the end of the day it doesn't matter like if I just do what I do I'm gonna be I'm gonna be just fine and you take advantage of if it's three four however many one-on-ones it is it's exactly. like all right here's the let's go eat exactly and you you got to capitalize and you don't know when that's going to be but you got to if you're not playing, you know, one play at a time, you're going to be overthinking and mess up your one or two reps with one on one. So, yeah, just trusting it. You know, obviously the first, you know, we're a little little past the halfway point now. First half of the season doesn't go the way that I think a lot of us thought it was gonna. But mm -hmm. what's the? I mean, how big was Sunday's win just for the collective morale? Uh, I know that that coach talked about getting a win going into a holiday week. I know that this schedule this week is kind of funky because of Thanksgiving. But like, mm -hmm. what was the importance of just getting a good dub against a division team? Yeah, you know, it's it's huge, and especially after the way we've lost the last few games, like such close, tough, you know, games. And you look back, and it's you know, it's the same thing. It's like how I talk about a play by play mindset. It's the same way. Like we could have went, you know, after we lost to the Colts, it was another close loss. Like you could either fall into the you know trap and let it keep you know being a ripple effect, or you just got to say, okay, you know, it is what it is, but. We're going to fix it. You have to truly believe deep down that you can win games. And, that, and that's that's a big part of it. And Duran talked about it early in the week. Like, he pointed out on film, like, he's like, this is why we're losing. Like, watch our sideline or watch when Max makes a play here. Like, watch everybody around or watch Denzel. Denzel got a TFL and guys were not celebrating with each other. And I, take, I took a lot of, like, I didn't take offense to it, but, like, in a good way, like, I, I take it very personal. Like, sure. my energy all the time. Like, I'm trying to get everyone going. But, like, I need to be there hyping my guys up and be, you know, and when you see it on film, you're like, okay, yeah, like this is something that's super important. And it's just a little detail in football, like not forgetting to have fun. Like this is, it's a game at the end of the day. And like, I try to push that on my guys. And I know Duran does and Denzel, like you really have to go out there and have fun. Like if you're not having fun and you're not playing for each other, uh, you're already, you know, 10 steps behind. Do you still want you bring that up? Because, you know, you, you talk about having that, that moment of realization, going to watch film and obviously the eye in the sky don't lie around mm -hmm. anything. But like, whenever I think of you and this isn't me just like blowing smoke, but like, yeah. I always think that like, there's no one out there that's having more fun <laughs> than you. But then I think it's interesting now to be on their side of it and to see you be like, yo, I need to have kind of more fun. Like, it's just, it's so unique because it goes to show like, you know, the, the angle that we have up there in that beautiful press box yeah. isn't necessarily the, the most accurate, you know, uh, you know, obviously we're not in on the sideline in that kind of mix with you guys. It's just an interesting way to kind of look at it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And that's like, you know, for me, and that, that's something I always like take pride in, like being like, like you said, like got, look like the, like the guy that's having the most fun on the field. Like I truly am. Like it's not like I feel like you can realize like if something's not authentic 100%. and like. If, you know, one, a guy makes a play and a couple guys, yeah, slap him on the helmet, and then we just kind of walk back. It's like, you know it's not real. Like, 
you got to really have 11 guys on defense playing for each other and that passion like he could watch the Denver film and be like yeah these guys are having fun and flying around and playing for each other and communicating on the field like it's the smallest of details so like you said like me I take pride in that like I love playing the game there's nothing more like there's nothing more <laughs> like exhilarating the, the the thrill of going out there making plays and doing it for your boys and like being out there is like there's no better feeling having the crowd like I really I try to like I look at myself as like an entertainer in a way like I want the the fans to like enjoy when I play I always want to be like that player that you watch and be like as the kids point to be like damn I want to be like him like that's that's how I always look at it so if I can inspire my teammates to do that and just have fun like I, you could even ask the coaches and stuff they, they looked at me crazy when I when they first got here because I was just like I was like, God, you stop being so uptight. Like, let's have fun. Like, because I'm always like, they think yeah. I'm like joking around, but like, I take my job more serious than anybody, but I'm always smiling and dancing and having fun and doing my thing because like, I need that because I care about like, I take my job more serious than ever. But if I'm always serious all the time, I'm going to drive myself nuts. Like, so when I'm on the field, like, I'm truly having so much fun. And I think there's also like an appreciation in like just being in the moment, especially for like dudes like you. Like, no NFL player is going to have a 30 year career playing no. defensive end at an all pro level. You know oh, what no. I mean? And so, like, <laughs> The, like the like the fact that you get those Sundays, those Thursday nights, those yeah. Monday nights, like you have to enjoy them. You have to, and you got like like I said, I, I, this is year round for me. So I have 17 games guaranteed. Like I'm not gonna take a play for granted, and that's kind of just how I look at it. Yeah, so I think it is the it's the best way to look at it. Right, it's the only the, it. the only way to look at it. Uh, going ahead to this weekend, uh, off to Seattle, tough place to play. Remind me, have you played in Seattle before? Never. This is the never, first time. Never been there. I've never even been to the city. So great city. I'm fired up. I great can't city. wait. Really yeah. good city. I know you guys won't get the toast of the town and everything, yeah. but uh, I mean, it is. It's gonna be fun for you, I think, because it is such a loud environment. Yes. Such a you know, and it, it's a fun fact. The only place I've ever gotten heckled on the sidelines, Seattle. There me. You go. I Not even that. Max Crosby. <laughs> me walking. That. Around a suit, trying to try, exactly, mind my own business. Damn. I know. Uh, before we I get you, that. before we get you out of here, though, uh, the really really important stuff. Thanksgiving is tomorrow, right? Yes. How do we attack the Thanksgiving plate? What is on there for <laughs> Max? What is off there for Max? What are the non-negotiables? Like, hit me, hit me with the the deep analysis. Yeah. Um, before I get to that, you know, I'm. I, you know how crazy I'm about my meal. I know, prep, I, and that's so. what I was. Getting, that was the first part of it. So, <laughs> yeah. do, you even, do you even get to enjoy the meal, or is it more just the fa- the friends, family, the gratitude part of it? Yeah. So, I always, you know, I've talked about this before, but like my cheat meal is Sunday, mm-hmm. always after the game. So my mom is coming. She's gonna be cooking. Rachel's gonna be cooking. My sister's gonna be helping out. So I'm gonna have like an authentic like Crosby Thanksgiving once I get back from Seattle. And we hope you enjoyed the re-listening of some of our favorite conversations from a year ago. And like I said, before we started rolling those, if there's any other conversations that you guys just say, hey, man, I really enjoyed that one, or hey, this was a, a great chat, let's bring it back, just let us know. Just let us know. Like I said, we are going to be very flexible over the next couple of weeks, and we are here to serve you. But per usual, a big shout out to our public relations staff for helping us facilitate those chats throughout the year. The unsung heroes of what we do here in Silver and Black Productions, but we couldn't do what we do without them doing what they do. So big love, big appreciation to our friends downstairs. Uh, we're going to get out of here, but before we do, we're going to crack an ice-cold bruchacho because even though it's the offseason, Brother, those mountains are always blue, especially now here in Las Vegas, man. I'm I'm chilly. I am uh, I'm quite cold, and admittedly, not having that good of a time with it. Not a big jacket guy, and I'm a little chilly. And I cannot wait for uh, the return of of the sun a little bit. 
I look forward to it with bated breath, with big anticipation, because I like to sit outside, man, and I can't do that this time of the year. Anyways, today we are cracking a cold one, and I have to clarify, uh, the gentleman that I'm going to crack this cold one for is not of age, right? I'm not offering this young gentleman an ice-cold bruchacho. I'm just simply showing my respect, showing my admiration for what he's done, so I'm cracking it for him. And today I crack a cold one for one of the newest members that we have on Silver and Black Productions. I am sure you have seen his videos by now of our kid reporter, Jeremiah. And man, this dude is blowing up. This young fella is everywhere. And it is very well deserved. For those of you who haven't seen his interview with Devontae Adams, make sure you head on over to either our TikTok or our social media feeds at Raiders to take a gander because this dude is only 10 years old and he's already doing some incredibly big things. Just an incredible statistical mind. And I got to be honest, a nice, uh, nice camera presence for a young fella already. Confident, but not cocky, and very comfortable when the lights are shining the brightest. So, Jeremiah, you have been such a... Uh, it has been so much fun to watch you do your thing for us as of late. And, and like I said, man, the, the video with Devante has gone viral in all the best ways. And congratulations to you. And, man... Very, very cool, and you love to see young guys out there doing their thing, succeeding, putting their best foot forward, and, and having it come back and, and pay off in a big way. So, Jeremiah, this one is for you, my friend. Continued success and, and keep crushing it, doing your thing. So, on that note, we are out of here. We will be back, same time, same place, next week. The train doesn't stop. So, Freddy Pascal, uh, our guest this week, my man Ray on the ones and twos, and everyone else in Silver and Black Productions who helps keep our little operation afloat, we thank you, thank you, thank you. And as I said, my friends, same time, same place next week. Enjoy a little playoff football, and we'll see you for our next episode of Upon Further Review. Thanks for listening to this edition of Upon Further Review, presented by Coors Light on the official Raiders Podcast Network. And we're back with breaking news. Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. Coke Zero Sugar is a must-try for any Coke fan, so make sure you... Jim. <laughs> Jim. We're on the air. Ooh, yes, this tastes like the best Coke ever to me. Your thoughts, Jen? Well, can I have a sip? <laughs> Jen, we're in the middle of reporting the news. I need to try it first.